Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. No word yet on whether or not Joe Biden is going to get some of his judicial nominees through. He's been successful. He has been very, very successful at getting judges onto the bench. And of course, Donald Trump was very successful in getting judges onto the bench and infuriated the left because we have to live with this stuff for a good long time. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free. Call in 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. But yesterday, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana just being... Well, his perfect, perfect John Kennedy of Louisiana self. Tell me how you analyze a Brady motion. How I analyze a Brady motion? Yes. Uh, Senator, in my uh, four and a half years on the bench, I don't believe I've had the occasion to uh, address a Brady uh, motion. I put forth to you that I'm not a lawyer. Although I'm more than happy to play one on TV. Here, let, 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 let's try it. Let's try it right now. Let, let's pretend I'm a lawyer on TV. Objection! And I, I, I guess that's, that's the scene. I don't know where I get my check, but someone... Honestly, I've just won three Emmys just from that alone, and it was on radio. What is a Brady motion? I will tell you I'm not a lawyer, and I didn't know what it was. But people who are lawyers know what it is. As a matter of fact, people who study the law know what it is. People who are connected to legal circles would, would know what it is. A Brady motion goes back uh, to a Supreme Court case. 1963, Brady versus Maryland. Sometimes a Brady motion known as the Brady Rule. That's how Cornell Law School puts it. It requires prosecutors to disclose material, exculpatory information in the government's possession to the defense. Meaning information that might help a defendant. So when you are, 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 are the government, and you're a prosecutor, and you have information and you see you have a piece of information that might help the defendant prove their innocence, you don't get to just set that on fire. You have to share that with the defense. With the defendant. So they can utilize that in their defense. Because innocent until proven guilty is a real thing. So it used to be that these this kind of information was only applicable if the defendant made a pretrial request for specific information. And then the prosecution could say, oh, no, we don't do that. So that's what the Brady rule is. And if there's a violation, the court can either declare a mistrial or prohibit the prosecution from utilizing unfavorable evidence, which could be discredited by the withheld information. So it gets very, very intricate. The point I make to you is that this is the kind of thing that a lawyer would know. What is a Brady motion? What is the Brady rule? Certainly, 
a judge would know this. But here is this judge by the name of Cato Cruz. They're looking to, Biden wants to put him on a district court in Colorado. He doesn't know what this is. Senator John Kennedy didn't ask a gotcha question. He asked a question. You want to you be a judge on a circuit court? Let's see where you are on some subjects. Cruz doesn't know, so John Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, continues. In my career. Do you know what a Brady motion is? Uh, Senator, uh, in my time on the bench, I've not had occasion to address that, and so uh, it's not coming to mind at the moment what a Brady motion is. Um, do you recall the U.S. Supreme Court case, Brady v. Maryland? Uh, I do recall uh, the name of the case, the senator, yes. And what did it hold? I believe that the uh, Brady case uh, in, well, Senator, I believe the Brady case involves something regarding the Second Amendment. It is not, I've not had occasion to address that. If that issue were to come before me, uh, I would certainly analyze that Supreme Court precedent uh, and apply it uh, as I would need to to the facts in front of me. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Very possibly. If I was somebody who was willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, as I often am, maybe he's thinking of James Brady, the former press secretary to Ronald Reagan who was shot when the assassination attempt from John Hinckley took place. Is it possible? Is it possible? Because he brings up the Second Amendment. It's Brady. I'm trying to tie two and two uh, together, people. Look, I'm not a conspiratorial dude. Maybe maybe he just got, you know, flustered. It was like, wait a second. And so he put himself in this other place and Second Amendment, Brady, and boom, that's what he thinks it is. Maybe that's what he thought. But um, he got it wrong. He got it really wrong. And he got it wrong in a very disqualifying way. As in, well, uh, thanks for playing. You have to go. I find it strange when we can't recognize that some people have got it and some people don't. Some people really can achieve the next level and some people can't. And you say to me, oh, Tony, you're just saying that because he's black. I'm sorry, what? Uh, uh, Judge, Judge Cruz is, is black. No, I'm not saying it because he's black, but it's super sweet that you want to engage that conversation. Because that's exactly the kind of thing we don't need in America. We're saying he couldn't answer the question that I believe that most people in the legal profession would consider a basic. And why isn't that just disqualifying? I believe it's disqualifying when a Supreme Court justice can't say, uh, or somebody going out for the Supreme Court can't say what a woman is. I'm not a biologist. I don't know. Oh, Tony, you're just saying that because Katanji Brown Jackson is black. Well, that's very convenient for you. Now, the connective tissue between them is progressivism, if anything, because they were both put up by Joe Biden. But really nice effort. Because our issue is not with black justices. Should we talk about Janice Rogers Brown? Shall we? 
Should we talk about a judge that Democrats moved heaven and earth to ensure didn't advance so she wouldn't be the first black woman put on the Supreme Court because she would have been put on by the Republican Party? You want to dig in? You really want to get punched in the face? I don't mind. I've been working out. No rotator cuff injuries. I'm telling you, I can throw the combinations, maybe an elbow. I'll throw a knee. I'm good. I'm good. How deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Why can't it just be that sometimes something is disqualifying? Sometimes, sorry, you you didn't pass the audition. That's all there is to it. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, if he had popularity, he could rely on that to try and get some of these people through. According to the Associated Press and the NORC, uh, the Center for Public Affairs Research, Biden's approval is at 38%. Now, his approval in, in February was 45%. And I'm here to tell you I don't understand what is attributable to the drop. I'm not I'm not sure what what happened between February and March that would 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 bring a would bring a drop. Is it the economy? Is it some speech that that he he gave is it i'm not sure i thought it was interesting though that this drop would take place now again i never believe just one poll 1081 uh us adults a margin of error of 4% so that's a little on the high side for me uh, in 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 a, in a poll but it does lead me to that question of if he had more popularity would we would we see his justices getting his judges getting through better and he's had tremendous success tremendous success this is not someone he should have success with this is disqualifying stuff i mean there are some basics and i don't know why we would take a look at somebody Missing the basics like this and say, ah, it's okay. It is not okay. It's not okay that the Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, goes on The View and says, origins of COVID, we don't know. Now, there's been an ongoing debate about the origin of COVID-19. Last month, uh, the Department of Energy said that the virus most likely originated from a lab in China. Hmm. Then last week, an international team of virus experts said that they found genetic data linking the origin to raccoon dogs sold at a market in Wuhan, China. Hmm. Now, some think the World Health Organization should be investigated for possible cover-ups. Do you agree? And will we ever truly know where this came from? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I think it's part of an effort to make sure something like this never happens again and that we are better prepared for the next pandemic as a, as a world, we've got to investigate and understand the origins right. of COVID-19. That's right. part of the process. Yeah. One of my big concerns is that right now we actually don't have all of the data we need 
to yeah. make a definitive conclusion about the origins. Right. And that's why you see that even though President Biden charged the intelligence community with looking at this and prioritizing it, there are difference, differences of opinion right. in the intelligence community because, again, we are missing information. The WHO has tried to do investigations. They have been blocked in part by not getting enough information from China, right. yeah. which is where you know this originally started, as far as we can tell. So the people are blocking you in the place that you know it started from. Now, maybe I don't need my attorney general to be political. But I don't want anybody running interference for China. As we're discussing the whole TikTok thing, because it's so much the news story right now, and rightfully so, and the hearing's stunning and, and, and everything else, and I'll have more of a chance to break it all down tomorrow. Um... Never forget that while China, in my view, didn't unleash a virus on the world to, you know, purposefully, they had a leak because they're incompetent commies. And then they said, let's not tell anybody and let's let it spread and let's go about purchasing all the uh, personal protective gear that we can. And let's see how many people we can hurt by not being honest. I'm looking forward to electing some people who recognize that China is the enemy and are willing to do something about it. If you say to me, you want to get into a fight with China, first of all, there's a real question about whether or not China is a paper tiger. Can China really handle a punch to the nose? I mean a knock. I'm not sure. But I don't think you have to do it, you know, pew pew style. I think you just got to economically starve them. Well, Tony, we owe them so much money. Yeah, that's their problem. They don't warn the world about a virus. They lie about stealing our technology and our intellectual property. I got to worry about paying them back? Nah. We have to start telling American companies to pull your manufacturing out of China because you are going to get left there. They're going to take everything that they haven't already taken, and you're going to have nothing. You know what we're going to say? Oops. Pull your manufacturing from China now. Pull your reliance on China now. End of discussion. Do I believe that you have to have an enemy? No. I don't, actually. I think that's weird. I think that, that, that societally, we, we, we've seen that you don't have to have a nation enemy in order to be successful. What I think you need to be successful is to recognize when the enemy exists and is approaching. That's a twofer. When the enemy exists and when the enemy is approaching. The enemy exists. The enemy is approaching. Both those things are true. Thus, China is clearly the enemy. And anyone who cannot admit that, anyone who does not recognize that, anybody who does not engage in that baseline, completely unserious. Maybe that's why Biden's approval is down. Maybe, think it has something to do with the balloon? I'm serious. I don't know why, I don't know why the drop. I don't, I'm not. Was there a bounce from the State of the Union, and then people are like, "Oh yeah, that really didn't matter," and here we are. 
But then again, I'm in the camp of I don't even understand how this guy has an approval rating at all. At all. Unless people are like, I like vanilla ice cream too. In which case, I totally get it. I'm Tony Katz. What if it was the train? I was asking how there was a big drop in Biden's uh, polling numbers, right? Approval numbers. And I'm like, all right, I don't I don't put much into any one poll. You guys know this. But but how like like why is that? Why in the world are his polling numbers down? That's so strange. And and someone emailed me and said, What if it's uh what if it's the train derailment? What if, what if that's it? What if it's the train derailment and the way he handled things in East Palestine? I'm like, that's that could be it, right? That is a specific event, and how it was handled could have a, a consequence in that way. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And then I caught this video of Senator Ted Cruz. Thank you, Madam Chair. I want to thank the witnesses for being here today. Welcome, Senator Brown. Um, Like so many other Americans, I watched with dismay uh, the horror that unfolded in East Palestine, Ohio. On television, we saw a fiery train wreck where nearby residents were understandably fearful that their water was poisoned and their air was polluted. That's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And what we heard was horror story after horror story after horror story after horror story. And then Ted Cruz is like, oh, yeah, um, can we discuss Pete Buttigieg for a moment? It appears this morning may be our only opportunity as a full committee to examine the East Palestine derailment and the broader questions about railroad safety policy. To be clear. I agree with Senators Brown and Vance that railroad safety should be on our agenda and that it is an opportunity for real and meaningful bipartisan cooperation. My team and I will continue engaging with their staff and with the chairwoman's staff, and I'm optimistic that we can achieve broad agreement on policies that improve safety, that protect our communities, without at the same time damaging our supply chain or imposing unreasonable costs that would ultimately harm American families. We need to do both. Rational point of view, rational argument, something that people can absolutely get behind. Understandably, Americans across the country share the concerns of the residents of East Palestine and wonder, are essential hazardous materials being transported safely? Will residents be protected if a spill occurs? Unfortunately, the delayed and disjointed response by the Biden administration has not allayed these concerns. Notably, we heard calls from residents of East Palestine in the local school asking, where is Pete Buttigieg? The response from East Palestine's mayor, Trent Conway, was, quote, I don't know. I think you're on to something. East Palestine could be the reason for a lower poll number. Could be a reason 
question is, does that have staying power? Is that temporary? It seems to me they're always temporary. Is, is this different? Something to think about. I'm Tony Katz. I was on Newsmax yesterday discussing wokeness and readiness. And I guess wokeness now has people saying, well, you don't even know what you mean by that. But I believe that the truth is we all know what we mean by it. The left is just moving to try and create different definitions or really to push aside words that no longer work for them because they've lost control of them. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, so good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. So on Newsmax and having this conversation about wokeness and readiness, and wokeness is this idea that you can engage these conversations of intersectionality, engage these conversations of racism or of bigotry or misogyny or or decide that people are hateful and you're smarter than others, you know more than others, you know how to be more decent than others. That's all wokeness. Wokeness is utilizing pronouns in some newfound way, including pronouns that aren't even words. Uh, that's, that's wokeness. Wokeness is, is seen as this umbrella term for some people lecturing to other people based on nothing more than some belief that they have the right to lecture. You know, when we talk to Noah Rothman from National Review and his book, The Rise of the New Puritans, right? It's about the progressives' war on fun. I believe he stole my book idea. Now, he didn't really steal my book idea, but only because I haven't written a book, a political book yet, and that's totally my fault. I mean, I should have done it already. By now, I should have absolutely done it. I should have, I, of course I should have written a book by now. What's wrong with me? I've got a book on Berman. I've got a book on barbecue coming out. I got to do the political book. I, I have to do the political book. I must. Um, but... It is. Progressives want to put an end to any kind of fun. Anything that you think is humorous, interesting, there's a reason why you're a bigot. When I tell the story of these two women who wanted to open a Mexican restaurant, I think it was a taco stand, but maybe it was a full Mexican restaurant, and they went to Mexico and they studied and people taught them and they learned and they brought recipes back and they were going to open in California, they were told, you're white, you can't open a Mexican restaurant. And the protests were so great, they didn't open the restaurant. I'm sorry, that's, that's wokeness. And wokeness is, of course, destructive. So this was a conversation with myself and Jesse Jane Duff, a uh, uh, retired gunnery sergeant, uh, and, and this discussion of of military readiness going on. And it was it was a fascinating conversation because it had it had intensity to it. And and there's no doubt that, that Jesse Jane, who who I'm partnered up with, has has intensity. No doubt about it. And I look a little like like washed out. I do. I, I don't know what's going on with my my lighting there. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna figure this one out. But I want you to hear her discuss uh, what's going on in the military and and her take on whether or not our military is ready. I would agree to a point, but I would say what the uh, Biden administration and their Pentagon has done has been dramatic. It's yeah. been literally okay. a gut punch 
in this past uh, two years when they took out 8,100 men and women who wear this uniform because they refuse to get the vaccination. And then they complain because they can't meet their recruiting goals. Go figure. 3,700 of those young men and women were Marines. Now, I dare to say there could be some that were discharged for other disciplinary measures or whatnot. But even if you took half that number, you can't afford the amount of money and effort that goes into the training of all of these young men and women. They're the best and the brightest when less than about 15 percent of the age group that can join the military is even qualified to join the military. And then out of that, who is going to, who can you get to recruit to join? Less than 1% of this nation serves. And they basically hit this military with a sledgehammer with the transgender policies and what they did with, to them with the vaccination. Now, Jesse Jane is 100% right regarding COVID policy. You can't hit recruitment goals in the military, and you're telling people who didn't get vaccinated you can't come back when we all know that's nonsense at this moment. It certainly has been nonsense for years and should never have happened to begin with. That's crazy town. Crazy town. But on the transgender conversation, I went back to something that happened on this show quite a few years ago, speaking to to people in the military. I was speaking to actually Brian Suits, who's a a radio host out of Los Angeles, served in the military, who said, look, in in, in his view and and the people he has spoken to, people who are transgender is, is not the issue in the military. That is not the thing keeping us from readiness. Uh, you, you have more issues with men and women than somebody who is a man who, who says they're a woman in terms of, of readiness. And so I brought this up as part of a, a larger conversation saying, look, this is what I've been told. But anything that jeopardizes readiness, unit readiness, uh, military preparedness, Anything that jeopardizes it is not allowed because wokeism is not the thing. We don't want the military being this agent of social change. We want the military to do its job. Tony, speaking of the transgender policies, one of the very first things President Biden did as president was to allow transgender troops to openly serve in the military. Not only that, but he advocated for allowing sex change operations on active duty soldiers all on the taxpayer's dime. Now, this, even though many military military analysts warn that pushing individuals with existing gender dysphoria into a stressful military environment could have devastating consequences, uh, your reaction to this? It just seems like it's uh, more about what is a trend versus actually doing what is best for the country. And this was a conversation a few years ago. It was a conversation uh, under President Trump as, as well. I've talked to people in the military, and Jesse Jane might see it differently than I do, who would argue that people who are transgender are not a, a threat to military readiness. And the only question that matters, it's true of, of Congressman Jim Banks, it's true of Senator Marco Rubio, uh, as they're putting some of this legislation forward, is this a threat to military readiness? And from what I have heard, that's not the actual threat. The threat to military readiness is not actually training a military to go kill the enemy, to actually defend the country. That's the fundamental issue. The DEI conversation is about where your focus is. If you go back to some of the images you were putting up, one of them was uh, somebody saluting, celebrating pride. Is, is that the, the image that I saw? I want the U.S. military ready to fight, and I don't want to hear them talking about Pride or Pride Month. I don't want to hear them talking about their sexuality. I want to hear about them ready to fight, ready to kill the enemy, ready to do the job that needs to be done. And if there is anything, and I mean anything, that takes away from that part of the mission, that level of readiness, then that is what needs to be extricated from the military. I don't think I could be any more clear than that. 
Here's what I heard. Jesse Jane might see it differently than, than, than I do. And anything that doesn't keep us ready is something I oppose. Enter Jesse Jane again to be like, oh, let me tell you about readiness. I, I have Go to ahead. jump in. It does threaten military readiness, and I will tell you why. Number one, it's not true that Joe Biden's letting transgender serve openly. Donald Trump did, too. The difference was they had to serve after they've already had their surgery, number one. Number two, lived in the gender five years and had doctor's clarification that they were able to serve. Because we know with gender dysphoria, there's been a high rate of suicide, number one. Number two, when a troop has to be removed from the capability of being deployed to receive surgery. Now, mind you, people with LASIK surgery aren't allowed to get it. People with flat feet aren't allowed to serve. Gastric bypass surgery is not allowed. I could give you a litany of a thousand medical issues that are not allowed to serve that could be corrected with surgery. Why should they be able to? Why shouldn't they are not able to deploy while they recover from that very very severe surgery, number one. Number two, if they go and serve with women, then the transgender women who used to be males, what are they going to do? Go to boot camp with these women, shower with these women, uh, birth, meaning go to sleeping quarters with women. It does impact in military readiness, particularly because the surgery requires them to be taken off the battlefield. They can no longer deploy and they have to be replaced by a military member who does not need surgery. That was excellent. That was excellent. This is the first, look, I've done a lot of cable news. You guys know that. This was like the the first conversation, maybe the second, but, but when I say just a handful, a very small handful of people having a conversation in a totality, they're going back and forth. They're agreeing, they're disagreeing. No one's angry at one another. I'm loud, Jesse Jane is loud. It's good, all right? It's, it's, it's like a good Italian family reunion and uh, everyone's talking with their hands. All right, I'm Jewish, it's exactly the same thing, except oddly enough, more food. And that's what made it so good because it was just open and I responded to it because I just thought her answer was terrific because I had just said anything that affects military readiness is something that I oppose. And she explained how it is affecting military readiness. And that's called making an argument. Jesse's <laughs> making an argument. And now it's up to the people on the political left to try and counter her argument. That's exactly what has to be done. There's a rationale that Jesse is using and saying, hey, this is why it doesn't work. Now let people try and argue that other than saying, well, it's just mean. No one cares yeah. about me. And, and, and by the way, point. and by you the way, have readiness. I, I w- it's it was terrific. It stuck out to me as terrific. I mean, I, I've done a bunch of stuff w- with, with Jesse Jane. They've, they've paired us together now. And so far, it's, it's really good. But like that was the first time I reached out to her on, on Twitter as a direct message. I was like, I thought that was terrific. Because it was because you can now agree or disagree with her based on your data. Well, I mean, not made up data, not your truth, but do you have other data that would contradict what it is she's saying? Now you have something. I stated anything that affects military readiness. She stated how this transgender conversation does affect military readiness. Now let the left have something to counter that other than, well, it's just mean or transphobic or whatever the case may be. Oh, was so happy to be a part of that, to be able to be engaged in that conversation. If if I could do, and by the way, the whole thing, the whole conversation was like over six minutes. Two people 
six minutes. That's super rare. Super rare in cable news. Because usually they're doing these big panels and everyone's trying to scream their point and everything else. This was awesome. This was absolutely terrific. I was thrilled by it. Absolutely thrilled by it. Now let's go about finding out more. Is this something, this transgender conversation in the military, does it affect military readiness? But even if we were to put that to the side, we do have a military readiness problem. We do. We, we, we discussed how military.com was describing the obesity and the diabetes issues that have come post-COVID. You have a conversation about whether or not you're reducing standards to try and get more people and you missed your recruiting goals by 25%. We have a problem. We should not pretend that there is no problem. There is a real problem. An absolutely real problem. And possibly, quite possibly, uh, you've got these other issues about recruitment coming from the fact that nobody wants a, a woke military. What about the idea that people aren't joining the military because they don't want a woke military? It's not that it's not woke enough. It's too woke. You don't have enough people to grab from the right side. You got to be able to grab them from the left side, or you'd say the left and the right, however it is you want to do it politically or just grabbing sides. That's a real question. You've got so many people who are transgender who want to serve in the military. How many people are you excluding because you allow this? And how about we go back to another basic? Not all these people are transgender. This is social contagion. It has to stop. And one of the things we have to do in order to get it to stop and go back to the levels that do exist in society, there is gender dysphoria. It is in the DSM-5. There are people who feel this way. Not to these levels. These levels are totally made up. This is social contagion. We have to stop it with all of this quote-unquote acceptance and then changes that we're making to society, and therefore this will stop. Of course, there will always be people who feel a certain way. I can't help that. I can't. I, I won't be even be able to help them. This is the way they feel. But what we're seeing isn't this idea of, well, this is always where the numbers were. No. No, this is social contagion. People doing a thing for attention. People doing a thing because they want to somehow think that it'll make them feel better. And what happens when it doesn't, which is when you hear about detransitions, when you hear about suicide rates and other things, which all comes from the depression within. And changing yourself and mutilating yourself doesn't take away that internal feeling. That's the thing you have to work on. But it was a solid conversation. I'm glad that I was a part of it. I'm Tony Katz. And I just want to be wanted Oh, I could use a little love sometimes Gun violence is now the leading cause of death For children and teenagers in the United States With black children eight times more likely Eight, eight times more likely to die From firearms than white children Nearly 80% of homicides are committed with a firearm And this year we have already had more than 100 mass shootings. It's only March. The cause of these statistics is obvious. This country has more guns than people. There are approximately 400 million privately owned firearms in the United States, which has a population of 332 million. That's Representative Cori Bush, and she hates you. She hates the Second Amendment, and she believes guns are the problem. But if you had 400 million guns, and you have more guns than population, how do we have any population left? Isn't this the conversation she's going down, the line of thought that she's going down? 
Too many guns, that's what causes the violence. Not the people, not the society, not the culture. If I were to see a group of people that have children dying at a rate eight times more than another group of people, I'd be asking why that is. I'd be wanting to understand it. By the way, it's a conversation of poverty, not a conversation of color. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Everybody wants to say, well, you know, it's black culture. Black culture or liberal culture? Liberal culture or poverty culture? Which one is it? Because I know plenty of black people, and that doesn't mean that they represent black culture. There may be things, like like I would assume that Jews, uh, my, like myself, we have a certain level of connected tissue, and people who are black have a certain level of connected tissue. But not every black person is a liberal. Not every black person is poor. We know this as a fact. So what is it? What is it that's causing this eight times more? If Representative Cori Bush was intellectually honest, she'd be looking for that answer. But why do that? Why engage with that when you could simply scream, guns are bad? The U.S. is home to nearly half of the world's civilian firearms. But for many Republicans, this is not enough. Students being murdered at their desks is not enough for them to value lives over toys. Republicans want the U.S. to have an even higher share of the world's gun supply. They don't want common sense regulations on gun ownership. Their perverted view of the Second Amendment compels them to argue against reasonable restrictions. We're asking for reasonable restrictions. The only thing perverted here is her idea on the Second Amendment. And I, for one, understand what the right to keep and bear arms means, and it will remain. I also, for one, understand that we have a problem in our society, and those of us willing to do the work have to go find what it is and fix it. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.